listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 58 on Ed Reach. Crystal Martin of UW Madison. I guess that's University of Wisconsin Madison, right, Jerry? Mm hmm. And right, Crystal? Yes. Okay, this is Ed Gamer for Saturday, June 30th, 2012. Ed Gamer is part of the EdReach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. That's such a nice voice, Jerry. That was awesome. That was way better than mine. Way better. Mine's like, way better. <laughs> mine's like ornery and a oh, big voice. That was so positive and happy. Don't ever do that again, Jerry. <laughs> this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We'll give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And our guest today is Crystal Martin. Crystal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Crystal Martin. Um, I've just finished my PhD uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in educational game or education and curriculum instruction. I study information literacy in uh, commercial games, and I'm looking to um, help change information literacy education. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm not following that up. Okay, <laughs> so we skipped Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> and I like crystals much better. <laughs> and it, yours is a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah, so is mine. My name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. So today we have Crystal from University of Wisconsin-Madison, which we are quite pleased about. And Jerry had rave reviews from her presentation at GLS um, this I guess it's still this month, earlier this month. So, Crystal, what, uh, so specifically, what were some of the things that you did up in University of Wisconsin-Madison? Um, I was lead project assistant on Constant Steinkuhler's research team, uh, which um, we call Pop Cosmo. Um, and while she's been gone to D.C. this last year, especially, I've been managing the team, making sure we're still doing research, um, setting the research agenda, that kind of stuff. And we had been doing uh, massively multiplayer uh, research uh, using WoW. And this last year, we've been working more on um, information communities around single-player games. Jerry? God, that's awesome stuff. That's <laughs> amazing. I, was, I didn't want to interrupt. I was just oh, tossing okay. in my... Uh... So, so what did you do for your... What was your presentation at GLS? Um, it was about uh, information literacy and crap detection around... Uh, what, what, how, uh, what? Oh, craft detection? Um, That's not appropriate. We can't have that. No, <laughs> yeah. So what, what, explain so, that one. Craft detection is a term that was originally used by Ernest Hemingway, um, but has been more recently taken up by Howard Rheingold, who is, uh, I'd say he's a public intellectual and a scholar, and he works at um, Stanford and UC Berkeley. And um, the idea of crap detection is your ability to decide what information is good and what information isn't. And so that's kind of a part of the larger framework of information literacy. And the reason I'm, I've gotten into studying information literacy is because I have a library science background. So before I came for my PhD, I trained to be an academic librarian. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so how did you get from academic librarian to where you're at? 
Um, well, as I was getting close to finish my finishing my master's in library science, uh, I had started to think about, uh, well, I had planned to become an academic librarian at a university. And then I, being on the reference desk at Wayne State University in Detroit, where I went to school, I was watching people have trouble um, kind of implementing the kind of training they were getting around library skills and larger like information literacy, lifelong learning, kind of how you figure out what kind of information you need, how you evaluate it, synthesize it, how you use that later kind of skills. And um, like their ability to take what they were getting in these, you know, short 60 minute sessions and use it long term. And I started thinking about um, creating a video game for information literacy. So yeah. I came here and I was in the library science program and was working on uh, video game design. And then I started taking classes with Constance and I really liked the, um, you know, the naturalistic uh, commercial game research she was doing. And so I decided to switch majors and move to education and work with her. Wow, I'm, I'm guessing she was pretty influential. Definitely. <laughs> she she seems like a pretty uh, pretty uh, smart, very smart individual, and uh, she seems to know her stuff very well. Uh, I've not Jerry, and of course you have met her, and I've only seen videos. So maybe next year. Yeah, I had a brief chance to run into her. It was awesome, actually. My last day there on Thursday, I ran into her and Kurt Squire and Jim G all within about ten minutes, and I think my mind was like melted by the time <laughs> I was I was done. That was pretty cool. I, you know, I, and I think this speaks to one of the uh, one of the best things about the conference, really. And this is to your credit, is creating such a um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say informal because that's that's not really accurate. You know, it's a very professional setting with a lot of really big people, but such a, a friendly environment that these huge names in the field are just kind of like, you know, chilling at a table, drinking beers, eating brats, and are, are willing to, you know, shake hands with anybody, talk to people about anything, and it, it's such a fantastic environment. So what, okay, so we have, you know, the crap detection um, where where do you see games going? Because I, I'm guessing there's a lot of crap out there. Um, well, actually, in game information spaces, there's way less crap than there is other places. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Part of uh, the last chapter of my dissertation was actually uh, about evaluating um, the WoW Reddit community and um, looking at like what percentage of right answers do they give out of the total amount of information given, uh, what kind of what percentage of thing of the statements were or the you know turns of talk were questions, et cetera, et cetera, how much was subversive. And actually like sixty-eight percent of the total amount was correct answers. You get about 20% that are like acknowledgement and agreement statements, about 10% are questions. And then you get a very, very tiny amount, um, probably actually more about 15% are uh, acknowledgement and agreement. But then you get a very tiny amount, like maybe 1% that are actually subversive statements. And then everything else is kind of superfluous stuff where people are talking about off topic things. But overall, it, the information uh, communities are, are they give a lot of good information and a lot of information that's on point. I think when Jerry was telling me about this presentation, uh, I think we talked about 
ex other examples of games that could be used that help students, I guess, detect, you know, help people detect uh, whether it's crap or not. Mm -hmm. I, I just I enjoy saying this, that word now so <laughs> because I can say it because it's part of our discussion. But, uh, you know, poker, uh, you know, games like that, playing uh, card games. Um, certain types of card games where you're having to read and get get information from others, and it's not really. I guess that's more not verbal communication, but you're actually reading the person and how they behave. Yeah, I can and see that's, that. Yeah. So now I, you know, there's games like um, Settlers of Catan. I don't know if you've ever played that. Oh, I like that game. It now there there's verbal and there's also visible. Um, you know, readings that you have that you get from other people. I mean, is that so it, it can transfer not only from video games and what you see there, but also with with board games. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, the information that like the the beauty of studying it around video games is because you can read people's conversation. Yeah, not in your, it's not in real time. So then right. as the researcher, you don't have to transcribe all that information which is nice but uh, <laughs> also it it's uh then you get you know the entire conversation and um so the other part of my dissertation or the other major part of the data for my dissertation was about eleven thousand turns of talk that were all chat logs from the game which wow. you find different types of information uh literacy behaviors but um also uh really like high quality but the the forums are great because people take a little more time to answer questions because, you know, nobody wants a 16-line return in a chat log because it just annoys everyone who's playing yeah. it. Yeah. definitely goes against convention. Um, but I'm really interested in studying information communities around single-player games going forward. So what are, what are some of those? I, 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 what are uh, some examples of that? Mass Effect. The Mass Effect world is a good oh, yeah. one. Um, Skyrim are the Elder Scrolls in general. They have a gigantic information community that's really well done. And uh, I'm a big Skyrim fan myself. So oh, very cool. I, I like to study what I play. <laughs> partly because you don't get, um, as a researcher, you don't understand the nuances of the community as much. And you don't understand a lot of the jargon if you don't play the game. So I think to do good research you need to and then it kind of you know you get to blend those two parts of your life better yeah <laughs> so now the skyrim does it have a it's only it's only single it's player only correct? single player yep um so like dragon age is the same is the same way yep uh now what about games that so you kind of stay away from games that are all single player and multiplayer um, well, the new Mass Effect has a multiplayer component, although I haven't done the multiplayer part myself, but it does have one. Uh, the thing is that it has to be, um, or like, you have to be able to make enough choices in the game where you need a variety of information. So that's why World of Warcraft works so well, because, you know, people are always looking at what are the best specs and which weapons right. are better than what and things like that. So um, RPGs have a tendency to be really good information sources like that. Mm -hmm. For what I'm studying, at least. Yeah, no, that's that's. There's so many different variables, and I think that's what's nice about, you know, full feature games like that, rather than you know the chocolate covered broccoli. Right. <laughs> yeah, because not too many communities going out, and talking about Math Blaster. No. What's the answer to <laughs> plus two? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. So, uh, or you know, what's the best? Uh, configuration for my paladin. Yeah, so you know those are 
and you can find tons and tons of forum information within like World of Warcraft on stuff like that. And I love because I, I teach language arts and the ideas within, especially in the forums and how people present their arguments, you don't want it too long. Uh, you don't want it too short. You need to back up your information. Uh, it needs to be clear and concise. And then any responses back to that need to be the same way. And you get some really good writing within those forums. Definitely. It's it's quite, it's very impressive. It, it's like one of those things, you know, I wish my students could write this way within my classroom. And then you're just like, well, they can. You just need to be able to utilize a game like this or something that the student is interested in. I guess that's, that's what our goal is. I guess is to get to that point. So what is your... What are your favorite games? You said uh, Skyrim, right? So what are some of your other favorite games out there? Um, well, things I've been playing recently. I just started playing Diablo 3. That was after I turned in my dissertation because I had about <laughs> two and a half weeks between my dissertation and my de- turning in my dissertation and my defense. And uh, mm-hmm. before that, I wasn't playing much. We've been playing um, Ratchet and Clank all for one. Oh, yeah. as a, it's really fun, just, you know, kind of platformer. Oh, yeah. And so it's co-op. And it's the only Ratchet and Clank one that's co-op. And mm-hmm. my husband and I play together a lot. So... Very cool. Do you guys do uh, now? See, this is just with my kids, but you know, any of the Legos, like Star Wars Legos. Or... I actually, that was one of the games. Um, so um, I'm actually kind of a newer entry to games. I probably didn't start gaming until about I don't know, eight, maybe ten years ago. But um, so my husband's gamed way longer than that. He's gamed since he was in middle school. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Lego games were an entry game for me because they <laughs> I had a like a low enough threshold where we could play together and it could be you know reasonable experience for both of us. But I really like the Lego games myself. Oh yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy them, and it's a lot of fun you know watching my kids and playing with my kids that way because you know we we get frustrated sometimes they're they're like daddy you need to do this okay <laughs> or you know i you, you got to jump over here and you know there's there's a frustration level but there's still parts that you you work through and it's tough for me to back off and try to have them figure it out uh, and work through it but as they as they've grown as a as a gamer it's really cool to fi- they'll figure out ways that i've never even conceived of Oh, were you going to say something? Oh, just, uh, yeah, just... my niece and my, my mom play together sometimes. And my niece said, Grandma, you don't always have to let me win. And my mom's <laughs> like, oh, I'm not letting you win. It's just that you're better than I am at this. And she just couldn't understand how that uh, my, my mom didn't have more gaming skills than that. It was, yes. She just assumed that my mom was going easy on her. Oh, funny. That's funny. So what, uh, so what are the games that you... You know, favorite games used in education. What, I mean, it sounds like you're right in line with us with some of the uh, off-the-shelf games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there any other games, is there a specific game that you see a huge impact within schools? Hmm. Have you run into anything that Not says, that, oh, like, really good. other than, you know, I know Civ and, and WoW, WoW is getting used more often, mm-hmm. but... Um, I don't think I've seen anything else that uh, has had a, a really big impact in schools so far. Have you messed with Minecraft yet? Oh, yeah, I've forgotten about Minecraft. No, I haven't 
but I'm I'm interested in it. I know a lot a lot of the people who I I work with here at UW have been playing Minecraft yeah. fairly heavily, but that one definitely offers a lot of potential. I think. Well, and it's as we as we've talked about it before. The uh, it's like the modern day Legos. Oh, I mean, yeah. whatever you can dream of and and build, you can you can you can do that within the game. And I think that has such a huge potential within the classroom because it basically can fit within all all subject areas. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a lot of fun. So what are, you're heading out to California? What's yes. what's your agenda out there? Um, I'm taking a postdoc at the University of California, Irvine, uh, in the digital media and learning hub with Mimi Ito, who um, um, wrote the book uh, Hanging Out, Messing Around, and Geeking Out. You've read that. Yes. Um, and she, which in that research actually inspired the U Media Lab in Chicago. Very cool. Very cool. So what's, so what is your, you're heading out there and is it kind of open or are you guys kind of you have an open template of, or uh, plan of what you're going to do currently working on um, a three-year research project that's uh, they're calling connected learning and uh, my job at the hub will be to do original research um, and to coordinate the other sites that are all working on parts of this larger connected learning project so the idea of connected learning um, one of the, the previous studies that they're just finishing um, connects uh, youth who are interested in um, uh, becoming high-level StarCraft ladder match players with adults who are experts. And so they've done like bridging uh, between youth and adults to help them actually meet up with people who can help them um, learn how to be better players, uh, things like that. Um, they're doing studies around Ravelry, which is a knitting site. And uh, this piece I'm doing, we're going to determine a site to study once I get there. But uh, a lot of digital thing, uh, a lot of digital sites. Um, one of the groups is studying uh, Little Big Planet as well. Oh yeah, which is a really really fun game, and I also think that's a really great game for classrooms. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's you can definitely use it in younger younger grade levels. A friend of mine's working on a, a little big planet level to teach ratios. Oh, cool! Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Um, J- Jerry, is there anything else you want to? Oh, I think let's see. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I did enjoy your your GLS presentation. I think that it's a when you really get into talking about the forums. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's kind of a new. An interesting vein of research I hadn't seen before because we concentrate, especially in education, so much on collaboration and communication. And I thought that really um, that really gave some some validity to, you know, that type of communication between students really highlighted some of the the cool stuff that goes on there. So I I thought that was really interesting. And you also presented with uh, somebody we had on last week. Uh, That's right. Yeah. The second presenter that day was, was Jeff. Jeff? Jeff Holmes, yeah. yeah. And we uh, we had him on last week. He was he was a good time. So did you guys? How did you guys end up together? Because it was originally planned that that those all those sessions were going to be together. Um, no, his uh, paper was supposed to be on Friday, but um, we had a presenter in that session who couldn't end up coming from uh, New Zealand, and oh. so. Mm. 
because uh, Gabriella Anton, who's in my research group, was also presenting data on WOW, and so was Jeff. We decided to put them all together, and it was a yeah. whole session of different types of research around WOW. Did you get to – oh, no, you left, you said, on Thursday? Yeah. Okay. So Jeff had a second session about Huntards, which was uh, mm. in an identity session, and that's in uh, available to view on the um, – the online uh, recorded sessions from the conference, which was oh, a cool. good session. Awesome. Yeah, that was there was some fantastic stuff happening. You know, those two days. It was a tough one to leave. I will admit. We will plan better next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll plan a lot better next year. It, it took some coercion, but uh, uh, you know, Jim G just kept on talking it up and talking it up. Like, you got to get there. You got to get there. And he just said, the food. <laughs> the food was unbelievable. Food. Yeah. yeah, so he's uh he's he's a hoot. He is just he's just a neat neat like Jerry said, friendly guy and is able to uh as I as I call him the quote machine. Oh, uh, yeah. you you can just sit down there as you're listening to him and just uh with a notepad and and just write down all these great quotes from him. So kind of on your angle of the forum, Jerry, what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh the the one thing I, I guess I see problems with schools is um, allowing students to communicate to each other, uh, and because it's it's the danger of bullying and 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 other things that happen that we're not able to see. And I guess Crystal, I guess I'm asking because you know you see such a great use of forums and that communication piece. Um, do you think it, it's an essential? piece of, of learning, that, that communication with, with other people, whether it's in a forum or Skype or email or blogging or whatever the social media is, I mean, do you see that as an essential piece of learning? Well, I definitely see it as an essential like 21st century literacy type ability that, I mean, we have to communicate electronically all the time. You have to be able to collaborate with people. Being able to collaborate with people remotely is a really uh, big, like that's a big bonus for you as a, as a student. Um, and I think in those spaces, especially where they're like, you know, something like, wow, the age group is so varied that, um, it gives students and youth a chance to exert agency and it doesn't matter that they're young. They get, you know, they get to display their expertise without it being tied to the fact that they're, you know, 15 years old um so they they get to lose a lot of you know i guess you could almost say it was social stigma that goes with being young you know young doesn't necessarily like oftentimes people don't perceive that as being able to be an expert things like that and i think that offers students a lot I i think that also um you know zach i think when you talk about the fears of like those type of forums or those communication methods in schools, it's kind of one of those old school fears, mm-hmm. kind of unjust fears because, and I brought up this story before, but when we did our virtual world project, you know, when you have things recorded and things, you know, students, it's no longer a snicker or a smirk or, or a something said in the back of a classroom that a teacher has to overhear. We had bullying issues and they were recorded, you know, in the chat logs. And then we presented them to administration. And we're like, hey, look at this. It's right here. Now it's yeah. dealt with because now there's actual proof of it as right. opposed to, you know, trying to deal with something. And I, I think you're right on, Crystal, with it. And I'm going to 
massively probably misquote, so feel free to correct me here. But um, what did you say during the presentation? Was it something like 75% of all all the communications were leading, might not have been right, but were leading towards a right answer or something, we're essentially in a positive direction. Is, yeah, is that... about that, yes. Yeah, so I think that's fantastic. You know, I mean, and and I completely agree with your analysis of, you know, I, I, that's one of the things that I think we even struggle with is professionals in a field sometimes is like, oh, well, you're just a, a new young, you know, a newbie, your, your ideas are unfounded yet because your lack of experience and when you get in these forums and things like that you lose that that uh that initial you know whatever it is that that someone could judge you with so i like that it's good the one thing i i, I think and I'm, I'm making some connections here kind of a broad brush you know jane mcgonigal talks about you know her four parts of of gaming um you know there's rules I can't think of them off the top of my head, but the last one is the one that sticks with me all the time is choice. You know, there's all these great things that games can do. We've seen the research, you know, Jim G talks about it, uh, Kurt Squire. I mean, all these great academics talk about the positives of what games can do. But I think Jane McGonigal hits it on the nail with her, her last of her four points and says that it's choice. Because if I've, schools and teachers are looking for the quick fix okay i can play world of warcraft or i can play civilization or i can do this i can you know do that i can play um uh skyrim you know whatever the game is but if you force students to play something that they really don't want to play then when you they're writing in the forums or they're writing in a space that uh they're trying to express their thoughts that's when you get some issues and where they're just being silly or they're writing inappropriate things. It's it's when you have choice that, you know, the kids that are in your class, Jerry, mm-hmm. they want to be in your class. They want to be building Second Life. Um, you know, the kids that are in World of Warcraft, that's their choice to be in there. So they're writing um, with a purpose. If you're forcing kids to get into a certain game and then having and forcing them to write about it, that's when you, I think you do run into problems. Does that make sense? Yeah, we actually found that um, <clears throat> when we were running, um, we ran a, a large after-school lab for two years uh, that was for uh, adolescent boys who were disengaged with school, who, and a lot of them were struggling readers. And we ran a reading study around it. Um, and if you've seen Constance talk, you've seen her talk about this lab. Um, and... One of the things we found from the reading study was that we tried to do like uh, a reading study that had them read school text versus a games text to see if they did better. Well, we did the QRI and then analyzed the reading letter level, et cetera, et cetera. And then we got to the point where we had them read both texts. And what we found was they did about the same on both. But then we realized we had chosen all of their texts. So yes. then when we gave them a school text, and then we let them gave let them give us a game topic that they were interested in. And so we still like we held the game topic to really high standards. It had to be at least at their supposed like the, at their grade level, not right. at the level they were actually reading at. And most of them are, you know, 11th grade and above anyway, the reading level for uh, wikis. And so we found them that like fit all of our criteria and then found that they did way better. They were way more likely to do self-correction, to like 
push through the text and not give up and actually figure out the meaning of the text for things that they got the choice in. Yeah. And I see that with, I teach uh, my fourth quarter, uh, we have a choice. You can choose different novels within my team of teachers, and I use Lord of the Rings. So the kids that I get into my classroom are ones that want to read Lord of the Rings. Well, as I don't know if you've read those, the, the, the trilogy or The Hobbit. Yes, I have. Um, you know, very high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm having sixth graders read this. So I modify a little bit. I have it on audio. They can listen that way. But most of them, halfway through, they drop the audio and they're able to take it on their own. But they want to. Right. That's that's their choice. So you're, I'm raising the reading level because of a choice. And I think that is is very difficult for education right now because I think a lot of people try to find the the golden ticket, the the key. What's the what's the one thing that I can have everybody do? Even if I brought Minecraft in my classroom this fall, I'd still have kids that probably would not get into it. Yeah. And they wouldn't necessarily learn. So if I start giving a choice of, okay, here's Minecraft, here's Civilization, here's several other choices that, you know, that I have. And it could just be, it could be reading a book. Maybe somebody wants, there are students that love to read. So I give them a novel or or some type of activity. As long as I can cover all different learning, um, learning angles, then I think I can I have the ability to reach more students. The tough part is is creating that and having the time to create something like that. And I think that's where teachers, we have a difficult time being able to give that much choice because if I'm giving multiple game choices, I'm going to have to know those games. Just like you were talking about before, you have to know the game before you allow students to get involved with it. Um, I think we're at a crossroads. You know, yes, I think people want to use games, but I think as we start to learn more about learning, we need to also give choice. Definitely. Okay, that was my, I was on the podium there, Jerry. (laughs) It was good. I like the podium. So, I mean, I guess for your class, Jerry, they have a choice to be in there in the first place or not, right? True. True. So you don't have to give as much. You can give choices within the, you know, within your classroom. But it still follows a, a similar path for everybody because they wanted to be there in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pre- pretty, um, <clears throat> pretty specialized topic anyway. So most of the kids that are in there, and you know, I think that's one one of the things that that I like doing this show, and that I like having um, people like this on, especially like you, Crystal, that, that work, um, you know, and people like Jim G that work in in literacy in areas like reading and stuff is because. My connection to video games is primarily visually based, you know, and and we were talking to Jeff about this and it's like, you know, being very much the visual arts end of things. So I'm always interested in how these games can be used outside of the arts um, and and their impact on things like reading and learning. So, yeah, my my classroom is kind of skewed towards that visual end, but I, I I would like to see how I can, you know, pick it up to really also improve literacy and things like that so it, it seems that now i have more work to do <laughs> because you know i'm Please. sitting here going okay i'm teaching about uh rome okay you have the choice of well you can play this scenario within civilization 
you can create a Roman town within Minecraft. And then, you know, coming up with others, maybe somebody who actually wants to build a, th a 3D model or somebody might want to write a paper. Somebody might want to create a poster. Somebody, I mean, you have all these different avenues of learning within your classroom, and but it all has to reach a similar goal. And that's a lot of work. That is a <laughs> just, yeah. my, my head is spinning. But I think that's kind of where we are. We're headed to that individualized learning that that Ken Robinson talks about, uh, the individualization. And technology allows us to do that, but we still, as, as educators, still have to learn these tools. And it's it's the kids that are outpacing most educators. That's hmm. scary. So, <laughs> Crystal, anything else you wanna you wanna add? Is there somewhere we can find you? Um, well. Uh, I have like a, a website. Okay. Um, and I'm also on academia.edu for any of those out there that are part of that, uh, which is uh, like social networking for teachers and academics. <laughs> and uh, um, we can add that into the show notes. Yeah. Yep. On okay. Facebook, etc. And Jerry. Um, Sorry, Crystal. What? Oh, I said I'm on Facebook, so I'm very findable. So. Okay. Is that now? Is that a academic type Facebook or is that, you know, because do you run into that um, issue or? I usually uh, have a low profile on Facebook, so I don't have two accounts or anything. I just okay. have the one account. Because I know some that have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have an academic and then they have their personal. Um, yeah. So didn't know, if, didn't know if we wanted to put that out there for everybody. Like, yes, find Crystal on Facebook. <laughs> Yes, four thousand new friends. Yes, right. Oh, she's popular. As okay. if there were four thousand people listening to this show. <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah, <laughs> stop, stop. We have, we have more now. I think. Yes, yes we do. Um, Jerry, um, Crystal, have fun on the West Coast. Hopefully, um, hopefully the weather's a little better for you. I don't know. I like the snow. I don't think you get much snow out there, but. No, it was very strange to pack up all of my winter gear and send it to storage because oh. I've always lived in the Midwest and it seemed very odd to do that. I was like, I, I don't understand not needing my winter coat <laughs> at all for the next few years. Well, may you have many days of 75 and sunny. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I really yep. appreciate it. No oh. problem. Uh, let me know if you need anything else. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer Podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week.